This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. This matters is really about what is valuable, important, and essential. What is valuable, important, and essential. You know, many people you'll hear in conversation, they'll say things like, what does it matter if I show up? Why should I do it? What's, or you might see somebody bothered and you go, what's the matter? You'll, you'll, you wanna know what's going on inside of the individual, inside of the person. And so what matters is really about what is important, what is valuable, what is important for you and for me. And uh, really I think people often will be saying, is it worth my time? Does it matter enough for me to to put my time into it, but they also might be thinking, will anybody notice if I'm there or not? Do I matter? Am I important in the middle of a story? And I think that the Bible has a lot to say about this in really practical ways. And we're gonna look at the difference between, difference between temporary things that we can invest in and eternal things that can have a much bigger impact on how you feel about your life. And the good news is that you are eternal and you matter. I want you to know that that good news is available even though we're leaky vessels. The fact is, is that over time, we lose our innocence. We lose that sense that we are important. We somehow, through life's experiences and things that happen to us, we somehow forget that we started off as a really big deal. And uh, we lose that sense of value and, and how we view ourselves. It's possible to lose the thought that you matter. And life has a way of twisting and distorting our original value. When people lose the awareness that they matter, they can become insecure. And insecurity, we chase things that help us feel like we're okay. But friends, when we're living like that, we end up trading temporary stuff. We want temporary uh, awareness that somebody else cares for us. We give up eternal value sometimes for that. And it's an unequal trade. We, sometimes we've given up things that we wish we hadn't. Others, they pursue excellence and they want success so that they can be accepted. And, and how many know there's an end to that because each success means I gotta have another success. And, and then there's others that, that hurt relationships uh, that they're in because of comparison. They're insecure, so they're always comparing one person over another. And jealousy can well up in a heart and, and it can hurt our relationship and bitterness can sink in. And that's not the only type of insecurity. Do you know that when we don't feel like we matter, there are also the moments when, when we stop trying, we just give up. We lose our vision, we no longer try. We think, I don't matter, so why, why should I put my effort into this marriage? Why should I put my effort into to looking okay? Why should I put my effort into loving other people? If I don't matter, then anything I do doesn't matter. And then what happens is we become disappointed we become disappointed in ourselves and the shame can reinforce itself and then we become ashamed of failures that we've had or rejection that we've gone through and the results of that is an unlived life inside of us. It's possible that there's an unlived life inside of you right now. Something that could be but because in your own life you think you no longer matter, that you are no longer becoming the one that you were designed to be. And maybe you're not loving the way you could love. Maybe you're not 
giving your mind and your effort and your time to something that you would otherwise if you felt like it mattered. The worst part is that the people in our lives miss the gift that you could be to them when we live this way. All of us can win by revisiting the why of what you matter, the why you matter. How did you get here in the first place? And it really goes all the way back to your beginning. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. The book of Psalms is a book of poems and songs in the Old Testament, written by many different people. This one in particular, they think, was written by David. This song, actually, God gives David insight into how we're wired and the relationship between humans and God. It's a really powerful psalm, and I'm going to read through about 18 verses of Psalm 139, and I want you to see that yourself in this story, if you will. You ready? Here we go. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. I'll stop right there and I'll keep moving in just a moment. The psalmist is saying, God sees everything, everywhere. He sees the heart. Now how many know you can't hide your heart from God? How many of us have tried to do that? But he's saying, you examine my heart. You're actually looking at the heart. The heart is the part of you that controls everything that you do. It's the most sensitive, intimate part of you. We're not to give our heart away easily, right? Our heart is something that we are to guard and protect. Sometimes our hearts go through trauma. Our hearts go through pain. Our hearts go through disappointment. And I want you to know, you can't hide your heart from God. And that's not a bad thing, according to Psalm 139. Even if you feel like there's really dark stuff in there, and you feel like there's stuff that you're ashamed of, you don't want anybody to know. He, and by the way, that heart goes everywhere you go. So it's not just church. God doesn't just see you in church. It says everywhere I go, when I sit down and I stand up. So everywhere you go, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day of the week, he goes and he sees and he knows, okay? He watches you and he knows everything we do. Verse five, he says, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Now, this is an amazing part of this text that we're reading. It's a song. But he's saying, it doesn't matter where I go, you're there. And 
And he says, your spirit is there. Your spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, is searching for us, and he is there. And sometimes we want to get away from everybody, everything, including God. So we go to the lowest place, we're in despair, or wherever we are, and we turn the lights off because we think nobody can see us. But he's got night vision, and he can see in the places that we don't think he can. And here's the coolest part of this. The coolest part is he says that the spirit is there. I want you to remember in Genesis chapter one, the beginning of the world. In Genesis chapter one, it says that the earth was formless and void. There was nothing to it. No grass, no water, no nothing going on. There might have been some water, but not the, like we know the water now. It covered, and it says that the spirit hovered over the waters of the earth. Hovered over the top, like a, 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 a chicken over the eggs, a hen over the eggs. Sitting over the top, creating the conditions for something. And there the spirit was, and the spirit was creating something out of nothing. And this is the coolest part of Psalm 139. It's because even in the lowest valley, into the grave, he talks about, in the lowest moment of your life or the highest moment of your life, if the Spirit of God is there, there's the possibility of creating something new. See, it doesn't matter how old you are or what your story is or what you've done up until this moment, you may have had gone through some really tragic stuff. You may have been hurt, wounded, beaten, broken. You might have gone through abuse of some sort and other things have been done to you and you feel like trash. That's what you said in your own head. You feel that way. You feel like you're in darkness. I want you to know, if the Spirit of the Lord is there, there is the possibility of the creation of a brand new story in your future. Your past doesn't have to define you. Your past doesn't have to prevent you from being what you could be. The Spirit is there and he's available. This is David's language as he's singing it to God. And he says, I can't shake you. I can't get you off my mind. I can't get you out of my life. And now we get to the why you matter part, verse 13. He goes back to the beginning. He says this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, and you saw me before I was born. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Hmm. He says that you are wonderfully complex. We were created and we are complex. How many know the person sitting next to you is pretty complex? Some of you might think complicated, right? <laughs> You'll never understand every part of an individual because only the creator can. But he made you the way he wanted you to be. He gave you your hair color. And he knew that it would change color. And some of you would go away altogether. He gave you your eye color, your height. 
He gave you, some of us, he gave us a certain amount of width. We've added on to that over time, but he gave us our strengths and our weaknesses and our interests and our curiosity. Some people are very into research and they're curious about information about everything. And so they study and God put that in you. Some people are very social and they love to be connected and with other people and God put that in you. And some people, they're very into studying and they're very interested in and being right and correct about whatever it is that they're studying and they put their effort and their time into that. And there are people that are introverted and you haven't laughed out loud yet, but you did internally this morning. God made you that way. He gave you your personality. He gave you, you, you who you are, the, the interest. Some of you are like music does something to your soul. You, you hear music and music is like amazing. It, that's what God planted in you, the inner musician. And others are like outdoors people and they come alive when they get out of a building and into the wilderness and into the deer stand or whatever it may be. Here's the point. God made you the way he wanted you to be and he likes you. In fact, say this with me. God made me the way he wanted me to be, and he likes me. He does. He's really into you. And I want you to consider something. It says in there, you saw me before I was born, before everything happened to you, before you were hurt before you lost your dad, before you made some really stupid mistakes, before you felt insecure, before you were bullied, before you were mocked, before you were hurt, before you were abused or ripped off, before it all, before you lost your purpose, your reason, your love for people, your belief in yourself, and you know what he's thinking about you right now? Look at verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. His thoughts about you are precious. And he has lots of them. So many you can't count. If you could hear God right now, he'd be like, I like your smile. I like the fact that you're in church. I like the fact that you sang a little bit ago. I like the fact, fact that you love life, that you love people. He would go through his long, never-ending list of all the things that he likes about you because his thoughts towards you are precious. Precious thoughts, confident thoughts, restoring thoughts, cheerleading thoughts, valuable thoughts about you. And that's the challenge. The challenge is this, embracing the thought that you really do matter. The whole world is really confused today, chasing the dream of being famous so that they could know that they're good enough, that they matter. A whole generation is being raised to think that they only matter if they get enough likes on whatever they post on social media, TikTok or any of the other new 
apps that are out there. There's a lie going around embedded in the next generation saying I'm only good enough if I become famous. Oh yeah, let's pull all the famous people and see how happy they are if they don't find their hope in Jesus. They're insecure, it's always been that way. The most popular people are not the most healthy people all the time. And it's a lie that's been embedded in how do you embrace the fact that you are okay without all of that stuff? Without other people telling you that you matter? The whole world is confused. Getting a lot of likes on your posts mean you matter only for a split second or a parent. You try to do everything for your kid to succeed and that day comes and they don't make the A team or they, they don't get the same treatment as somebody else's kids and now you're feeling insecure at that moment. Friends, I'm telling you, it never ends. You get a new house and somebody gets a better house. You get a great day and then you look on social media and see somebody had a better day. You have a party and your friends were there and it was a great time, but then you see somebody else's photo, more of your friends were at the other party than at your party. Oh, don't tell me you haven't ever had that experience. What do you do when your job evaporates or your spouse ends the marriage and it wasn't your fault or your friends move on and you feel all alone? Friends, insecurity is a great big sign that we feel like we don't matter. Insecurity can kind of seep itself in and begin to weld itself into our personality and how we view ourselves and we find ourselves comparing. Feels great when our life is better but our anger can flare when somebody has it better than us. We're tempted to do something that makes us more important or some just give up altogether and even stop trying. I don't know what camp you fall into in that the comparison trap, or the give up camp. But I can tell you this, we can learn a lot from the author of Psalm 139, David. And if you go back in his story, he was a shepherd boy who would sing to God and his identity was forged in the wilderness singing a song amongst these sheep and, and he would sing to God about everything in his life and then the time comes when his brothers are off to war and Israel, his country, was facing another country who had a giant named Goliath who was taunting the country and, and his dad, David's dad, sends Uber Eats David out to the front lines to bring him food and, and they bring him food and he gets there and he starts noticing what's going on and he sees an army that's not living up to the call of God on their life, not living victorious, not living the way they were supposed to, and really in fear, David says, this isn't right. And he goes to the king and he says, I want to fight Goliath. And they're in such a bad place that the king eventually is willing to let him do it. And he pulls him in in 1 Samuel 17 to, to give him his armor. It says, then Saul, the king, gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. And David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again and he picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and put them in his shepherd's bag and then armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistines. And what you see here in this story is David, and by the way, he wins a big victory later on. So it's a good story. But this part of the story actually I actually think is the most important part of the whole story. 
He doesn't beat Goliath if he doesn't deal with himself. He doesn't win the battle if he doesn't deal with his insecurity. The king is in a place where he says, here, use this so that you can go win. And he puts the armor on, and I can only imagine it doesn't fit right. It doesn't fit him right, and so he gets uncomfortable with it. He's like, this isn't how I fight. I fight a different way. But there's another picture to it. He could have said, look at me. I've got the king's armor on. Somebody take a picture so I can post it. This one will give me a lot of likes. And he's tempted to utilize something that will not help him in battle. Popularity will not help you in battle. It's not going to help you overcome. If your, your identity is based on that, it's not going to help you. There's always somebody bigger. There's always somebody better. There's always somebody that has it better than you do. And if you're in comparison all of the time and you need something else to prop up your confidence, you are in trouble. The next failure, the next opportunity for comparison is just always right around the corner. But if you deal with it the way David did, David, instead of taking on the army, he took it off and he went back to who he was before all the battle. And he remembers what he had sung about in Psalm 139. You were there when I was in my mother's womb, forming and shaping me. I'm good enough with the way you made me. If you're going to send me to battle, I know I can do it because my relationship with you is special. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's Paul's way of saying it in the New Testament. But he's confident in who God had made him to be. David takes what he already has, what God had given him, and leaves to fight Goliath. David overcame his insecurity by becoming comfortable in his own skin. Friends, when you know who you are, you do not care who you are not. When you know who you are, you do not care who you are not. My dream is this for our church, for you and your life, to learn to find your identity, not in things that other people say about you, but to find it with your creator. Because when you know who you are, you can't get knocked off. So much of our attempt to be important is temporary. It's like a mask in Saul's armor, if you will. But if we go back to the reason we were created, we have the opportunity to overcome our insecurity. And we can overcome our insecurity about who we are when we ask ourselves three questions. The three questions are this. Who do I say I am? Who does God say I am? And who do I believe? I have a, a mirror here, because today I want you to know, as your pastor, when I ask this question, these are the, who do I say I am? Who does God say I am? And who do I believe? I've got to ask that. Every person at every level of spiritual journey has to ask that. And it's not over when you get hit a certain age, is it? We still revisit this throughout our lives. And we're asking, who do I say that I am? What do you catch yourself saying and believing about yourself? Are you repeating someone else's words about you? Are you repeating something that somebody had said to you when you were younger? I run into people all the time that had in their storyline of life, they had people that believed in them. And, and you know, they're the kind of parent that they had in their life was like, you would swing three times at the plate and miss 
And the parent go, that was the best swing on the third strike I've ever seen. And they believe in their children and believed in them and grew them up and there was a confidence and a security that those kids were meant to have, biblically speaking, when the parents believe in their kids. But I also know there are even more people in today's day and age that didn't hear the affirmation growing up, didn't hear the words of a parent speaking positive things into them and, and didn't hear that it was gonna be okay. They heard you're, you're a loser after a failure, you're not good enough. And those words went into them at different points and maybe it wasn't in the home, maybe it was a group of friends. How many know that movies like Mean Girls are real? That, that, that the girls can be mean and so can boys. And at middle school has a way of scarring people. It's true. It has a way of embedding. And the scary thing is, it's still with you and you're in your 40s. It's still with you and you're in your 60s. And you still have the old tape, the old words running around your head. And when you pull the mirror up and you look at yourself in the mirror, are you saying the words of truth or old words dropped in you coming out of your mouth? What are you saying about yourself? You know, some signs that people have lost their purpose and that sense of identity in their creator can be as simple as when you're a Christian having a prayerless life. Because people that don't pray, don't believe that God will actually hear them, don't believe that they're necessary in the life of the people around them. And sometimes we lose a sense of our tie to our creator when we stop praying. But if you only knew that the Father was leaning over, waiting to hear your voice, and giving an attentive ear to your cry, he's close to the brokenhearted. If you only knew that the Father has invited you to continuously bring all those cares and worries, that you, anxiety that you've got on your own heart to his throne, and he'll exchange that for a peace that passes understanding that would guard your heart and mind. But somewhere along the line, if you lose that sense, like little Sia said to her little brother, what does heaven feel like? I'm starting to forget. Is there something in you that has forgotten that you matter in the eternal dialogue between heaven and earth? Your prayers matter. God hears your prayers. Or is a lie slept in that says he won't hear you because you messed up. He won't hear you because you don't live right. He won't hear you. What is it that you're hearing? Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details.